And we've got Andy here from Wholesale Help. He's going to be um, sharing with us how to build a successful wholesale business on Amazon. As we know, the Amazon platform is always changing and um, wholesale is a, is a business model that is, is going to really allow you to build a, a, a a long-term sustainable business as Andy has done over the last 10 years. So Andy, just as we get going, do you want to just share with everybody um, who you are, your background story, how you've got into this, just to give people a bit of a background? Okay. So yeah, um, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's good to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, hanging out with you guys. One of my favorite things to do is hang around with like-minded people, you know, as uh, resellers, it can be a bit of a solitary uh, job at times. So it's nice to hang out with like-minded people and uh, and talk about uh, my passion. So it's uh, it's good fun. So I started, uh, yeah, probably 10, 11 years ago now uh, on eBay, as a lot of people did back then. Uh, Amazon wasn't really a thing here in the UK. Um, so I really just started by experimentation. Uh, back then, there YouTube didn't exist. Uh, there wasn't a lot of community uh, to share ideas and uh, to sort of look into strategies. So it was just about uh, trial and error, experimenting. I always enjoyed the idea of uh, trying to build an income online. I like the idea of the, the hands-offness and to be able to to build some passivity into my business. And I've really enjoyed uh, um, creating um, business streams as a hobby to begin with, and then uh, coming full time and uh, and really building it out from there. So I started, yeah, I started on eBay. Um, creating niches was my thing to begin with. Um, like I said, there, there wasn't the wealth of information out there now. The step by step tutorials to tell you what to do and when to do it. So it was a case of why why are things selling better than others why if if one thing sell why does it suddenly get a bit of a boost on ebay and testing and and finding some of the principles that maybe we take for granted now was the sorts of things that i basically had to figure out on my own which took years to be honest with you kev it took a long time uh people now can go from uh starting a business learning as much as they need to know on youtube uh, uh from the likes of uh, yourself kev and and actually getting into the business very quickly uh whereas uh, as back then it just takes time it just takes a long time uh trial and error trying different products trying to see what works what people want and where and, and trying to find uh, stock and so from very early on i was working with suppliers um you know there, there wasn't anything that the, the retail and online arbitrage that didn't exist back then um i would definitely have a look for things in sales in, in shops back then but it certainly the data wasn't there to know what works and what doesn't so uh, to begin with i was just experimenting and uh, back then uh, i think the first iphone came out was probably one of the the earlier niches i got involved with uh, so when the first iPhone came out, if you can remember that far back, it feels like it's just I a can. set part of uh, of our life now. But there, there was a time when 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 they didn't exist. But when they first came out, um, obviously uh, you needed some protection for that phone because it was incredibly expensive. It was probably seven or eight hundred pounds uh, when they first came out. Still is now. It's even more, which is crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, you needed a case, and this was an emerging market and. To begin with on eBay, uh, as usual, uh, uh, quite often happens that the Chinese are the first to innovate and start producing products. And they were uh, producing cases and and always with uh, their culture, it's to try and be as cheap as possible. So the, the first cases that were available were sort of £1.69, uh, £1.99, £2.50. And they were very basic and um, they literally would turn up in an envelope with a plastic case. And I started to think, well, if if you want to um, buy something that expensive, you know, I think people would prefer to actually spend a bit more money on protecting it. So uh, I researched, uh, you know, the different producers and went to sort of the, the DH gate type of suppliers uh, and, and looked and had some packaging created. I guess it was nearly a, a, a private label type setup back then. 
Um, it's just a case of finding some decent packaging and agreeing with the, uh, the suppliers to put a nice packaging together to protect it properly and create something with a much higher perceived value. And I distant, I made my own niche by distancing myself from the £1.69 sellers. And I was, my price point was £9.99, £12.49. And for some of the faux leather cases, they were around about £14.95. Uh, those sort of uh, notebook ones that open up uh, uh, where you can put your yeah. cards in and things like that. And so I, I built my business around those on eBay and uh, did very well for a number of years uh, selling those and creating new lines. And yeah, just, just looking for different niches and experimenting and trying to figure out why the sales would peak for different reasons. And, and so, yeah, just always looking for wholesalers, looking for suppliers. And the more I did that, the more I would find really just having conversations and getting used to uh, finding different places. And I often found the, 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 the hard to reach suppliers and the more work it took to find them, the better they would be quite often because the competition wasn't wasn't there. And the traditional route with suppliers, uh, generally they they supply for for retail. So they're used to working with people with shops. And quite often it's a well, it is an old fashioned game uh, that some of the people I still work with today, they write orders down on a bit of paper, you know, the ones that have got three yeah. things and then it goes through. That's how they that's how they write orders. Wow. They write it down and take a picture of it <laughs> and they email it to you to say this is the order. And then the, that picture then goes off to the warehouse and it gets picked and shipped. But it's a very old fashioned way of doing things. And these guys have been around for a long time. They're quite uh, used to how they do business. And the online trend has taken them, a lot of them, uh, unaware. And their business is changing a lot. And start, some of them are starting to understand that they need to, they need to pay attention now. But a lot of them were very resistive. They were afraid of um, prices being dragged down quite uh, that's quite fair enough. Uh, they, the prices can uh, can happen like that, and so they're they're protective of who they give accounts to. And and in the past, and still the case, if you mentioned you're an online seller, and God forbid you said the word eBay, then they would basically shut you down, and they wouldn't be interested. So it was more about building relationships, getting to know these people, and and finding what they're looking for and basically trying to be that person and, and trying to show them and get a chance to make them some money. And to be honest with you, once you have an account and you start making them some money, you're good. Once they can see that they can trust you and uh, you're, uh, you're going to uh, be an asset to their business, then there's no problem at all. But there is uh, quite a few hurdles to get to that stage. And there's a lot of thinking outside the box. You know, it's not it's not easy. That's the key thing with wholesale. It's not an easy thing to get into, but yeah. it is worthwhile. And that is why it's fantastic to have you here because you have tried a lot of things. You know what's working, what's not working, and that is what this mm -hmm. webinar is all about. That's what this conversation is all about with you, Andy. So um, I guess uh, the best place to start is I'm completely new. I've not done any wholesale whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I'm a total beginner. What do I do? Where do I start? What, what am I, what, how am I getting going? Well, I, I always say I'm probably preaching to the right audience here because I always say don't start with wholesale because it's not an easy place to start. So if you're thinking about Amazon, for example, then definitely get into retail arbitrage, get into online arbitrage. It's a lot easier. The barrier to entry is a lot lower and you can learn a lot quicker and it's a lot safer. So learn that way and get into and get into that first, so you can understand uh, the principles of Amazon first and understand uh, how to read the data and read the metrics and stuff. So let's assume that everyone on here uh, has some uh, understanding of Amazon and and how that works, and maybe they're doing RA and OA and they're doing well with that and they want to expand. So at this stage. Uh, then you're looking to find supplies. Ultimately, you're looking to find um, someone that will give you an account and give you a trade catalog. You look through quite a few um, individual lines. A lot of the trade catalogs are huge and most of them, most of the items they have won't be appropriate. Uh, there's not going to be any margins. You've either got very well-known stuff, which uh, means probably Amazon's on it and there's no profit, or the stuff that that is just doesn't exist and probably isn't worth creating listings for because they're a bit random or, you know, 
that it's not worth spending your time on and a percentage will be worth it so what you get in fact is spending a lot of time you might get half a dozen items from one supplier at any given time if you're lucky or less uh, so what you're looking for is just the needle in the haystack so you're looking for uh, reliable suppliers uh, who will give you an account and uh, at that point be thorough is what I would say uh, if you get access to stock don't spend half an hour and get through um, you know the first page and go I, I haven't found anything this is no good throw it away because there may be profit there but you've got to persevere um, VAs might be a good asset at this point <laughs> uh, because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of work to do but it's worth the time investing in in finding those items because unlike with uh, OA where you might find it once make your order and then move on with wholesale if you can find half a dozen items set that up in your business then you can restock and reorder and, and they can be there as a semi-permanent part of your stock and then you can find another supply and then you might find another half a dozen lines and so on and so forth and with a lot of time and patience you might end up with 20 or 30 lines which sounds very small for uh, someone that might be used to doing uh, online arbitrage or uh, or that type of business but with wholesale it's not about the number of lines it's what it's about the quality of of what you can get because if you can get just one line that that sells you know 25 items a day and you can get uh, you know repeat repeat supplies then you know you don't need too many of those and it makes it uh, a lot more manageable like long term um but i guess the the question is it's fantastic if you get these catalogs but how am i getting a catalog in the first place how yeah. am i going to get in the door in the first place with a supplier to actually give me the spreadsheet to look at in the first place what is it yeah. that they are looking for in you so mm -hmm. if you're maybe in i don't know let's say you you are in your 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 house right now is that going to go against you? What What is it that suppliers are looking for? Yeah, well, unfortunately, there's no hard and fast rule for every single supplier because there are different ones. There, uh, Some are a little bit more clued up with what's going on and are happy to get involved or prepared to get involved with the right online sellers. Uh, and because they know that the amount of stock that they're moving now is they, they have to pay attention because retail shops are closing and they've got to shift their business to survive. So you've got those type of sales, yeah, uh, suppliers, and then you get some other uh, suppliers that just don't want to know and aren't even interested. So you might have a different approach for a different set of people. But ultimately, um, as, a, as a general rule, you've got to f overcome the barriers when you when you find them. So, in a, you know, if the hardest way to do it is to email a company because you've got no connection there. They don't know you. Uh, and you've got to try and convince them that you're a legitimate supplier. So straight away, just sending an email out to the blue saying, can I have an account is probably going to be the, the hardest and the lowest form of success. And to begin with, if you're, if you're only going the email or the online route, then you've got to look as professional as possible, um, which means uh, ideally if you have your own e-commerce website, uh, that's going to help. Even if it's if it's a reasonably uh, generic one, uh, if, if you're in the toy niche, for example, you could have a, a toy e-commerce website uh, or an electronics store website. But if you could have some sort of presence and then an email address which matches your uh, your online store, at least then you look like, a, um, you know, a legitimate business that is looking for suppliers. Uh, as opposed to someone who's an eBay or an Amazon seller who's just trying to find uh, the next allowance of stock. Because unfortunately, as resellers, we're the lowest of the low as far as wholesalers and suppliers go. So we kind of have to try and we kind of have to try and um, make ourselves look professional. Unfortunately, we've been tarred by the same brush as the type of people that will take a product and instantly devalue it down to about 60 pence profit as soon as they look at it and you know we're all, we're all um, business people we understand the idea of profit and I'd like to think that most of us here tonight if you've taken the time to educate yourself are the type of person that know that under uh, undercutting people uh, constantly just to be the, the cheapest person on the platform is a pointless effort anyway and I generally think it's usually the more uh, uneducated sellers that tend to do that 
uh, that are uh, kind of nervous about holding on to their stock. So that's what I would say to begin with is to is to try and look as professional as you can, uh, and and that that will go a long way to begin with. Would you um, would you then go to to do phone calls just to try to talk to somebody like on yeah. the phone instead of email just to build that rapport a lot lot better yeah. so you yeah, can actually can. talk to somebody about it. Yeah, if it's a more old-fashioned type of supplier, they're used to dealing uh, on the phone. So if you can get a, a, a contact number, then just um, getting in touch and, and having a chat with them and, and talking about them, talking to them about what they're looking for and just saying you're looking for a supplier, what have they got, and ask educated questions. So try and ask questions that they would expect about minimum order quantities. Uh, uh, they will quite often ask what sort of sales volume you've got. And if you haven't got any sales volume in that particular niche, then all you can do is talk about expected sales volumes and we can be as optimistic as you like at that stage without being ridiculous. Uh, but I can't, you've, the, the best way to do it is get stuck in because the first, or probably the first 10 times, you'll probably, probably get stuck and they'll ask a question you don't know how to answer. But if you, if you make careful notes as you go along when you're speaking to people, when you put the phone down and say, okay, that didn't work, that question, what is the better answer to that question? What do they want from me? And, and how do I answer that as, as a better effect? So it's a, it's, a, it's a long process trying to do it this way. It, it is definitely worth doing, but it, it does take a while. You've got to speak to them and say, what do you need? And they say, quite often they'll say, have you got a, have you got a, a retail promise premises? And if you don't, then you say no. And they say, oh, we don't deal with anyone else. And that's the end of the conversation. So, um, you know, the other extreme is saying, okay, well, they want someone with a retail premises. So if you want to go to that extreme and you want to be able to successfully get suppliers, who do you know with a retail premises? You know, maybe you do know someone in your local town who's got a shop. Uh, maybe you know someone um, uh, you're friendly with who, you, who you, you're a customer. And so the other thing that you can do is speak to someone with a shop and say, look, I'm trying to get supplies for this, that, and the other. And um, quite often they say, oh, yeah, I'm always getting supplies uh, asking me if I want to get an account and stuff. It's like, yeah, they're bugging me. It's like, yeah, that'd be nice for suppliers to bug me. But if you have a shop, then that's their target audience. So if you can find people like that and develop a relationship with them, and you can say, well, look, it would be great. Could you open these accounts on my behalf and I can buy from you and, you know, maybe I can give you a percentage uh, on the on the return you can work out a deal a partnership uh, whatever works out for you just give them give them a percentage of your of your profit or or just give them you know a set amount of money I'm, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you 20 quid every time I make an order or you know whatever it is depending on who the guy is and uh, or mm. uh, who however um, you want to do the deal but if you can get into a shop and be able to order via that shop then it's no problem because like I said, once you get the account and you start making orders, you can do it all day long. And then at, at any point they could actually say, this is Andy. He does my ordering. Uh, you'll be, you'll be ordering from him. And then you can take over and do everything yourself independently. Uh, and it's just maybe the ship to uh, address is there, or you can even change the ship to address um, later on once you, uh, once they're comfortable with you. So there's all sorts of things you can do. They can act as the gateway. And then before you know it, you've got three or four suppliers and they're shipping it. You know, I've got a warehouse, so it's a kind of a, a, a generic address. And so that's fine. Uh, it just goes straight there and, 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 and everyone's happy there that you're making money for them and you're being able to make money from, uh, from them also. So it's one of those ones really thinking out of the box is the most important thing to be honest with you. Well, I think that in itself, I think, in in this this day and age, if you are in your local town and you can go to if you go to a business and say you know I'm willing to give you X amount of money every time can you just accept this or open this like I don't think many businesses are going to say no to you because it's mm. another form of income for them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a that's a that's a great idea in itself. So um, the I guess an, another question is then is starting capital. You know, we, we get started in retail arbitrage or uh, online arbitrage. You can get started for, for very little. You can get mm -hmm. going. Well, with wholesale, um, what is the expectation here? How much money 
do you realistically need to have to be successful at this? Yeah, it will vary again depending on the type of stock. If you can get hold of some uh, some toys, then uh, some of the, the the more independent suppliers might only have a few hundred pounds uh, minimums. Uh, it it does depend. Uh, some of the the other guys I, I deal with people that have uh, five thousand pound minimums every order, and and others are even more than that. But uh, you can get started. It doesn't have to be mega money. Uh, you can get started with the right suppliers. I've I've not found that many that that want you to to take trailer loads straight away to be honest with you they're quite reasonable because they're dealing with shops a lot of shops haven't got massive budgets as well and they've only got a certain amount of storage space so um you may find that the uh the minimums aren't huge um as long as you're you know as long as they're expecting you to be making regular orders that's what they're looking for really they they want to be satisfied that you don't you're not going to make one small 200 pound order a year they want you to be making regular orders so i don't think that's a massive issue yeah as you grow you can you can you can look for companies that have big minimums and those type of companies yeah you're you're going to get better prices from and there's going to be less um less uneducated competition you'll get a different type of competition because you then become a small fish in a very big pond and the type of competition you have are you know, huge retailers that have a chain of uh, retailers and things like that. So um, it's a different a different scenario. They'll have massive warehouses and they'll have sort of three different distribution centers and things. So uh, it changes, but at least you know that they've got profit in mind and they're not going to be doing some crazy stuff. But uh, yeah, so um, that's what I would that's what I would suggest to begin with is is to think outside the box and think about what they're looking for in, in different ways. Of, of actually finding that yeah so uh in terms of then um where does wholesale differ to online arbitrage is there in terms of product selection is there anything that obvious because we don't have i know for myself and 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 people that want to get started in wholesale if you know these orders are going to be a little bit more than just going to your local retail store if you're going to place a, a, a bigger substantial order and you're going to get more quantities. Is there anything that really differs from online arbitrage? Is there is there any sort of um, here's a key insight? Don't do this, or make sure a product does this that you could share with us. Um, yeah, there are there are some differences. Um, yeah, I suppose it's more of a slower game, really. Um, the, the beauty of online arbitrage and retail arbitrage, it's relatively quickly in, quickly out. There's lots of different things to choose from. You make a decision, make a purchase, you move on to the next one, and you're looking at 10, 20, 30 things at a time, and, and that's all good. This way, you, you know, you're looking for one item that's of quality that you can, you know, that you can keep coming back to, and then you're looking to, to build on each time that you find it. So for me, I'm making decisions uh, for for a longer term and sometimes if i'll if i'm creating an order and okay i've got to make it up to five thousand pounds or uh, or more then i might be buying stock and saying okay I'm, I'm i'm buying this for christmas and it's february or something or i might be buying uh and there's competition at the moment but uh, from the volume and the uh and the amount uh, that's going through at the moment i expect uh, i might be actually getting my price in two or three months time before I even start getting it. So I'm just going to buy it and grab hold of it. But, you know, it's a totally different way of looking at it in, in terms of you need the cash flow to be able to to sit on stock sometimes like that. But it does mean you can get a lot more money. I mean, traditionally, wholesale is less margin than um, than sort of uh, RA or OA. But if you if you have got um, the the buying budget to be able to buy uh, even if you started with buying smaller quantities and holding, if you can wait and be patient, then uh, you could be looking at 100% ROI or more. And in, t in retail terms, that's that's massive. So, you know, that's something, mm. to, something to consider. It takes patience, but ultimately, if it takes you three or four or five or six months to, to sell, start selling your item, you've only got to go through that in the initial few months. And then there's always other things that you're buying that's coming in that's taking that place. So there's a bit of a knock on effect, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I do think ahead of time a little bit and I probably think a lot more slower and longer term with my purchases. Um, but the same, it's the same idea. You've still got to harness the data to, to make a decision on, 
uh, on what items you're going to buy. But I will examine the competition more and I'll examine the sales velocity a lot more and make a decision based on when I expect them to, to go out. Um, because um, especially with liquidation type stocks, it might be one lot that they get hold of because they're changing the stock for next year. They're changing the box art or uh, they're taking that line down and they're doing something else. So you might get access to a certain amount. And once that amount is gone, then uh, it will be something else. So if you've got that, then you, you're more able to wait it out to the right time. If it's an item that is constantly replenishable, then then obviously that's a that's a different type of thing. You've got to you've got to find enough profit before you pull the trigger or else, you know, they're, they're going to keep refreshing as well. So you're, you're not going to get anywhere. So different tactics for different situations. But ultimately, uh, yeah, you're buying bigger numbers, quite obviously. So you're going to need space. You're going to need um, a little bit more money and you're going to need space to put it as well. So you've got to bear that in mind if. If you're if you if you've got it doing reasonably well with online arbitrage, then maybe you've got a bit of money in your business. Then you might need to get some storage. Um, it doesn't have to go. You don't have to go into a massive warehouse straight away. Um, there are different options you can find. Um, I just uh, did a video today actually about storage, and it, here in the UK, um, you can actually rent garages from your local council if they've got any spare garages that um, aren't being uh, aren't being used by the council residents you can actually get on their website and see what areas they've got uh, garages you can rent them for like uh, what was it something like 32 pounds a month and you can get a lot of stuff in a garage you know as long as you secure it and it's not in a bad area that's a great way to sort of start you know, st uh, using storage without having it to cost large amounts of money so there are things you don't have to go into massive warehouses uh, straight away. Well, we're, we're, we're getting uh, a lot of, we're getting some great questions here. So thanks very much for if you guys joining in live, just get your questions in the chat. We will get through to every single one of your questions here tonight. Um, but there was a, there's a great question that was prior to this, this uh, conversation, as well as uh, Stephen just mentioned it as well, because uh, I think it's a very important question. How do we determine if a company is a genuine wholesaler or not, you know, how, what is there any, is there any key signs if that wholesaler is maybe not legitimate? Cause you don't want to be putting a substantial amount of money into something that you, who knows what could happen. Yeah. So is there, is there anything that you've, um, you've seen over the years that is a telltale sign to you? Um, to, to begin with, I say the first and foremost thing is if something's easy to find, it's right there at the top of Google. They're really jumping up and down and trying to make a song and dance. Then I wouldn't necessarily say that they're, they're not genuine, but there's probably a good chance you're not going to make any money. Um, a, a genuine supply. There's, there's, there's what you would, people can call themselves a wholesaler just by saying I'm a wholesaler, but it doesn't mean they're a wholesaler. It means that they've, they've, they're trying to sell you stock in a type of volume. So you'll get different situations. You'll get, a supplier that basically is that they're a re they're a reseller of the moment their own they have maybe some storage and access to wholesale stock and what they're trying to do is actually maybe sell volume of their own and just giving you slight a little bit of discount and that's just a middleman and they're they're out there and you have to be careful of those just because they're going to waste your time and you're not going to lose your money necessarily but they're the ones that might be advertising um, you know that you can get in on these wholesale deals but there's just not that much uh, profit in the you uh, may have found them if you've done some basic google searching you'll find a supplier you have a look at their stock you create an account you get approved straight away but there's not a lot of um, profit because you know they're get they're getting their stuff from a supplier and they're taking their chunk out of it before they even get it to you so they're ones to look out for to begin with just because you're not going to make any money so if it's too easy if you found it really easy every other man and his dog will have found it as well so the competition, even if the prices were good once upon a time, the competition is going to be horrendous. So probably avoid the really low hanging fruit is the first thing I would say. And embrace the, the journey of trying to find the hard to find ones. I wish I'd got a, a visual, um, uh, a visual aid here right now because I, I use this as a, 
Uh, it's probably um, down in the garage somewhere. I used this as an example years ago. Um, I had a ball. I don't even know where it came from. I may have stolen it from my nephew when he was younger. But it was like a big rubber ball. And on the back of it, it had the name of the manufacturer just under the barcode. And um, just, just it was just the name. And that was it. But that can be a breadcrumb that you need to type it into Google. And, you know, they might not have any advertising and not much presence at all online. But if you can find a clue and you can research that, you can then find at least the contact details, uh, a telephone number to get in touch and say, I'm looking for a supplier. So being a bit of a Sherlock Holmes is quite uh, uh, interesting way of doing it because people aren't generally doing that. So if you can find a product that you think this would be good to sell uh, and look on the back, look underneath the barcode, all this, the area on the back of a product that nobody reads, which has got the manufacturer information, the distributor, there's usually a UK distributor. So you can get in touch with them and say, you know, what, who is, if you can only find the manufacturer, send them a, an email, who is your UK distributor? And then they'll give you the name. And these guys aren't advertised anywhere. They really are the, the, uh, uh, the sort of, um, people that are hard to get hold of but once you get yeah. the name of those guys they're usually the gatekeeper for several different big brands and then you need to speak to those guys and they're very difficult to get uh, through the the process of uh, of getting an account but at least you know who you're speaking to you know and you'll be in the area of not many people will find you know so that's something yeah and to... one thing just to uh, one one quick thing there just to add um, something that I, I personally did myself was I was uh, walking, um, there was just some like grocery stores and things, have a look what they're using. Because they, yep. when they're getting deliveries, they've got mm -hmm. a huge truck there and they're getting yep. their deliveries. And that's a clue for you, oh, who is this? And yep. can, I make a, can I research them and can I make a phone call to them? I did that exact same thing last year with a grocery wholesaler and mm -hmm. I, I invited them here into the warehouse for a meeting. And that's how I got that because... There was no way I was able to find that that wholesaler online. It just no. it, it was just not possible. Um, Sometimes you have to be in the industry to to be able to find the uh, the industry standard suppliers. But this brings me on to another thing that's worth uh, worth mentioning, Kev, and, and that's industry trade shows, which are a very big deal uh, and something that which will tick a lot of the boxes when I'm talking about gaining a relationship and finding out what people are looking for. If you can go to an industry trade show, all of the suppliers that deal with that industry are in one place. So you can toddle up there for free and you can speak to person after person after person after person. So you can get practice, you can get used to it, you can find out what they're asking you and you can have a conversation. And they pretty much expect everyone to be there, to be in the industry. So it's slightly less aggressive they're not going to have their guard up as much. You can have conversations. They're there to do business. They're there to, to look for uh, uh, new people to take their stock. And they're in the right mindset to, uh, to do that. So they're great things. And, and, you know, you can Google if you're if you want to find a pet supplies, you can Google like UK pet trade show or you can, uh, you know, Google uh, the, the toy trade shows and and so on and so forth. There's there's for every type of area, niche area, there'll be a trade show, the grocery uh, areas, there'll be a trade show. And you go to those individual ones, then you'll find lots and lots of supplies. You'll have no way of contacting otherwise. And you can practice speaking to them because you can start off at one end and you'll be a bit awkward and it might be difficult and you, you, you might uh, struggle to, to speak to people and not know what they want or what to say. And then after you've done it two or three times, by the time you get to lunchtime, you'll be having a having a great time and you'll be having a cup of tea with them and and having a good chat. And that makes a big difference. If you can then start to uh, to do that, then you will still get the same awkward questions, but at least you'll be face to face and uh, you can go forward and at least start speaking to them and find out what they want. And some of them will just say, if you don't have a shop, it's not it's not going to happen. Other people will say um, we don't deal with online traders. But then if you can engage them in a conversation as in you sort of slide in there without saying I'm an eBay seller or I'm an Amazon seller, you manage to, to talk to them first and then have that dialogue and, and find out what it is that, they're, that they're, uh, they don't want 
And usually it's the issue with driving down profit margins and uh, the actual uh, owner of the uh, the copyright is worried about the, the prices going down. And if you get to that point where you're having a backwards and forwards conversation, then you could say something, okay, so you, you don't want the competition driving down the perceived value because once the perceived value goes down and stays down, that is the new perceived value. And then your item is ultimately devalued. Yes, that's the issue. Okay, so I'm an Amazon seller. Um, if I was to take on your stock, um, maybe you could supply to me and then there is no competition because I'm the only person selling on Amazon. So how about you give me a, a go for uh, for three months and I'll, I'll sell your stock and if you're happy with me, I'm, you know, I'm prepared to buy the, the um, minimum order quantities that you're willing to sell at. If I'm your man on Amazon, you can keep track of me and you can see what I'm doing with the, uh, keeping the prices where you want them to. You know, you can have that conversation and maybe uh, most of them will say, no, I'm all right. But maybe one person will say yes and you get, end up with an exclusive deal um, for, uh, for an item where you're the only one selling that item. And how, how valuable is that? I think that's fun. I think that is uh, fantastic that because I think it, it ticks a lot of boxes immediately. So the the genuine question, well, they're there. They, you know, they're, they're going to have some sort of branding. They're going to have some sort of um, it, they've been invited. They're also already there to sell. That's what yep. they're there to do. Uh, mm -hmm. So you're not just sort of cold calling, you know, oh, can I open this account? Um, yep. So I think that's fantastic. So it's just a case of going on Google, just finding out whether you've got any local trade shows. Uh, yeah. How do you get an invitation to these? Is it a case of just turning up or? Yeah, it's free. You can register at most at 95% are free. You just register online at, at the, the trade show website. They'll send you out some tickets and you get to go. And that's it. It's very easy. They The, the trade show want as many people as possible because uh, the trade show uh, organizers are charging the uh, people to be there. So they what they want to do is get as many people through the door as possible to justify the, the fees that they're charging for the suppliers to, to be there in the first place. So they're trying to get as many people in as possible. So it's very easy to get into those uh, once you've found out where they are. A lot of them are at uh, the Birmingham NEC. It's nice in the middle of the country. It's a massive uh, exhibition center and uh, it's relatively easy to get to for most people. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot going on at, uh, at NEC, at Excel in London, and there's some up north as well. There's a few exhibition centers. So something for everyone. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's great. Yeah. It'd be a great experience, that, for anybody, just to be yeah. walking through this exhibition and just talking to people instead of, um, you know, we, we talk so much online nowadays. It'd be great just to actually be there face-to-face. -face. Yeah. And that's gonna, you're going to get so much more valuable experience like you say mm -hmm. you may yeah. not get any account at this mm -hmm. trade show but there might yeah. be another one in two weeks time there might be another one next month that you can then take all the things that you've learned and yeah. you go again you try mm -hmm. you can talk to other people uh, yeah. so i think that's fantastic yeah it's definitely it's definitely something that has made a big difference in in my business is just getting out there something changes when you speak to people face to face something happens the communication the body language and that we're all human you know we all have feelings and um you can you can be talking to someone you're not it's easy just to, on a on an email to ignore it or just to say no we're not interested but when you when you're a person speaking to another person you don't have to go straight in for the jugular you can be talking about the stock you can be looking at the stock lines they always have a nice uh, load of different things that you can talk about and say this you know they'll also give you a lot of very useful information these are a good seller of ours these are our strongest selling lines these are our our biggest uh, profit items that we sell. This is going to be big next year in the grocery industry. This is something that's coming out. They're putting a lot of money into advertising on TV next year. A lot of information, a lot of uh, trade information that is coming through that that is invaluable as well. So uh, a lot, a lot to be gained. And all you've got to do is free you a little bit of petrol money and your own time. I guarantee, if all you did all year was go to trade shows and hustle and speak to people and connect with people. I guarantee you'll come out with a load of accounts and a load of good selling lines, but it's, you know, there's a bit of elbow grease involved there, you know, there's a bit of work. Yeah. And, and, and Tony, uh, Tony in the chat just said, uh, is it a good idea to be totally transparent with, with the supplier? So you're at a yeah. trade show or even if you're on the phone with a, a wholesaler, 
Um, yeah. Is it in, in your best interest to immediately say, I'm a, I'm a seller on Amazon? Yeah. I mean, or I wouldn't advocate... Yeah, I certainly wouldn't advocate trying to be dishonest, but certainly there's there's being there's being honest, and then there's just smacking someone around the house head with the with I'm an Amazon supplier, I want an account. That's not the way to do it. You, that's your objective, but that's not maybe where you're going to go into. You know, you're going to start from a different angle in terms of being transparent. That's true, but I certainly wouldn't be offering up that straight away. Uh, that's for sure. There are ways and ways of getting around things. And and as I said, the relationship's more important at first because, you know, these people, they may be at two, three different trade shows in a year. They may be uh, at different ones. So one of the questions might be, um, you know, are you if you do a bit of research, you know where they are. So are you, are you going to be Pat's next uh, next month? Yeah, we are. OK, cool. I'm, I'm going to be there. So I might see you there. And you make a note of their name and maybe you make a few notes of the conversation that you had and then you go and see Pamela next time. So oh, it's Pamela, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I saw you last month at so and so. Uh yeah, how did that line go? Because you were trying to you were pushing that line. Yeah, it was going really well. And then you're having a conversation. You're not someone who's asking for account, you're someone who's asking how they are and how they're doing and um whether whether they want a cup of tea or something like that. You know, it's a different situation and you can be transparent, but you can also approach it at a totally different angle. And in this business, you've really got to think outside the box because if you make a converse, if you just say, I'm a reseller online and I want an account, 99.9% of the answer is no. So you've got to find a different question. <laughs> you know, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, I'm just turning up to a trade show. You know, that in itself, how many people are not going to trade show? So I think that in, in itself is a step in the door. Um, yep. So Definitely. I think that's fantastic. Uh, but Attila, I'll just uh, a quick question here. He said, um, "Hi Andy, would it would it help to have a static uh, company website, just the basic details, uh, no e-commerce shop website uh, yep. when when he applies for new wholesale trade account? Um, yes. For example, do you do you have a website?" Yeah, there's. Um, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to give out any websites of mine at the moment for different tactical no, reasons. <laughs> but what? Uh, yes, I have a few different static websites that are literally generic, and they are. They have company details, and that's all they have. But a lot of businesses have that, and that's not unusual to see where it will just give company names and contact details, and that's definitely a good idea because wholesale suppliers do that as well because they're contractually under. Uh, quite often they're under obligations not to advertise that they're they're offering these items because there are specific channels that brand owners want things to go down and they're very protective that they are sold within these channels. And maybe if you're a liquidator, for example, you're taking these items and you're selling them a lot cheaper, but they don't want those items to be devalued. So they take great care that they're out of the public eyes, which is why a lot of them you can't find. So you may find a liquidator that is just a company name and some contact details. So there is a, if you know them, you know how to get hold of them, so to speak. But if um, if, if they're dealing with Mattel or Hasbro or something like this, they're, one of the things that they can't do is say, I'm a liquidator for Hasbro and Mattel, uh, or I liquidate these, these items. They can't advertise that until you get an account and then you will get access to the information about what they're supplying because they keep they spend a lot of time keeping it out of the public domain. So, yes, yeah. a, static, a static website is definitely a good idea uh, and just some contact details. Uh, and if you can um, if you can have a, an email address with that uh, website ending is a very simple thing to set up. Uh, very easy to do and it just first it looks more professional and secondly it gives them something to look at uh, and say okay so they're a, they're a, you know they're they're in business at, at the very least they're in business so that's a good way to have something generic then you can go at different areas and have a crack at different areas to begin with uh, so that's yeah that's a good way to do it great um another question another question was have you ever had any success uh, buying direct from brand opposed to wholesalers? Mm -hmm. I thought that was a great question. Yeah, uh, generally not. There's not many brands that will deal with individual people. What happens is they're, they're usually international, so they will have a, a country representative. So uh, there'll be uh, someone that deals, um, so for example, if they're an American company, they will have a UK distributor. And so they will appoint that distributor and they're under contract. All of their stock will go through those and that distributor will be the gatekeeper for that brand. 
So you have to apply to that UK distributor. They will do, and they're under a lot of pressure to make sure that you're the right person. They will go through the questions. Are you this? How much is your turnover? You need to turn over a minimum of X. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do that. So the bigger the brands, the harder it is to get hold of, to be honest with you. The big mainstream brands, if you want to buy wholesale specifically, it's you need a retail premises, you need uh, large turnovers. And some of them, for example, with Lego and things like this, they expect you to commit to buy to uh, a certain amount each year as well and things like this. So they know their stuff yeah. is valuable. They know that you're going to make money with it. And the, the, the better this stuff to, um, to sell, the harder it is to get into. And the slimmer the margins, you know, those the really high profile stuff that is always selling very small, very slim margins because it's easy to sell. It's a no brainer. So I wouldn't be looking at those sort of items. I'd be a little bit more clever with it. Those items you can buy, buy liquidation. You can find liquidation supplies and maybe you can buy last year's lines that they've changed and, but there's still loads of demand, massive demand, but maybe they've changed the box artwork or the lines, you know, in terms of international uh, retails, when a, a, a line dips below a certain level, they deem that, okay, we've gone past the peak now, we're going to bring in a new brand. So that may discontinue that, but that may be hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. So, you know, the big business leftovers are still very good business for us. So being able to pick up a, a stock line that is discontinued, firstly, there's still a lot of sales left in it. And secondly, the, le the lease, um, as it runs out, uh, demand is still there. And if you're one of the last people to have something that's available, then you can control the price a lot easier. And that's a nice position to be in. Sometimes it takes a while, but if you, if you've got the last few pallets of the line that's still selling very well, then, um, then yeah, you're, you're, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because that's one of the, I guess the, the negatives to online arbitrage, because there's so many people in this and there's, sellers just flood onto an item and it just mm -hmm. drops the price yeah it's it's great if you were able to hold on to some stock and just see that price go back up and then you sell it for those bigger margins um yeah, yeah um so this goes with, on to you can certainly sorry, do that with uh, online arbitrage as well it's a tactic that i've used yeah. successfully in the past but again you do need that um you need that buying budget to be able to do it but it, it, it you know it works very well with uh with uh, with arbitrages um uh, the sort of things that you buy, like um, there was a, a sale from the, uh, what was it called? Smiggle, I think, uh, do the uh, um, the pencil cases and the cool kids stuff like that. They had a big sale um, a few months, two or three months ago. I bought a lot of that because they're going back to school in whenever it is September. So there was a good sale then. The competition plummeted most of the, those items, but I wasn't fussed because by the time it gets to whenever it is, even um, from from now onwards, uh, August, September, the, the mums and dads are going to start thinking about buying the kids stuff for school. They'll all be gone. They'll all be sold out. And the, the prices will have returned back to the RRP. And I'll have a load of stuff sat in my warehouse and I'll I'll send it in and I'll, I'll probably make 100 percent on it, uh, maybe a bit more. So you can do that, but you need to store it and you need to be able to hold on to it as well. So that's always the, the compromise. Yeah. Um... So Charles, uh, Charles has a great question here saying, hi, Andy, uh, um, do you decide what type of product you're going for first? Uh, do you first uh, decide what type of product you're going for or do you just go to the supplier and just see what that supplier has? Yeah, 90% of the time I'm going to find the supplier and look through and uh, filter that data uh, against Amazon because Actually, finding a, a product that's uh, uh, that's popular and then finding a supplier for it is incredibly difficult, unless you're doing that little think out of the box trick where you can actually find something and you've got a clue at a supplier. But that's kind of a different thing. That's just finding um, suppliers and, and then just sort of finding what you can do with them and seeing if you can get access to their stock. But ultimately, uh, if you're if you if you've got an account, for example, then you've got you've got opportunities to find stock and you can you can filter that information and find items. There's usually a few items at least that a wholesaler has that you're going to make some money on. Sometimes you'd be lucky and there might be loads, but there's always a couple, but you've got to be patient and go through them. So I would always get the supplier first, then work through and find the, the worthwhile items with that supplier. 
Yeah, great question, Charles. Uh, there was a, another uh, question from Paul saying, uh, I mean, we've, we've just slightly touched on this a little bit. What's the best way to find a supplier? Is it simply putting in wholesalers in Google? I think the biggest, one of the great takeaways I've taken from this is you find them going to trade shows. That would be Absolutely. a, that, that is, that's, um, yeah. that's so much different than just typing in grocery wholesaler and then just trying to open up an account with somebody that's just at the top of Google. Um, yeah. Would yeah, you say that that's all in the best? Yeah, that's that's fair. The trade shows are, uh, you know, you're only going to get if you go to a trade show, you're only going to get real, genuine suppliers. They're there. They paid money to be there. You know, they're not fake. You know, they're the ones you need to speak to. So that's the best way to actually get to genuine suppliers straight away. If you Google them, uh, then you might find some, but you're going to find a lot of middlemen that are going to not have great prices, and you may find people that have got put up you know, fake websites that are in China and just trying to scam you for your money. And they're very difficult to spot because they will literally mirror a, a legitimate site, even uh, steal someone's VAT number. So if you check that, that looks right. And so, you know, it's a bit of a minefield if you do it that way. And even if you do, you probably find something that everyone else has found. So you can do it, but I, I there are easier ways of doing it in uh, in terms of uh, getting out there and, and looking and spending a, a bit more effort because people don't do that. And that's when you get results, when you go the extra mile, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I, just because uh, uh, we've had a, a great a great uh, question come in before here saying um, this issue with we only sell to brick and mortar uh, mm-hmm. businesses. Is there any experience or any tactic or anything that you've had that's been successful to get around that? If somebody says to, to you, uh, we only deal with brick and mortar, have you been able to come back with something that's maybe, you know, turn that handle and to, to opening that door? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're face to face and you're at a trade show, then you can just you can get to talking to them. And if you can actually get a relationship and you get past that initial uh, sort of guard where uh, uh, where they're only dealing with wholesale supplies and you can have that conversation then if you can get to that stage then you can say you know uh, do you deal with uh, online sellers and at least at that point their guard will be down a bit more and they'll say no nah, no it's just it's just uh, stores and then you can have the conversation yeah, okay well uh, what is it about resellers that that you're struggling with it's like is it the price competition and then you can have the conversation and then you can maybe suggest something uh, maybe we could do an exclusive deal. I'm an Amazon seller, blah, 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 blah. Then that's a way of, of moving the conversation around. If you can get to the point where you're having an honest conversation and their guard is not into professional, no, not interested, move on type of way. Um, because you catch different people at different times and they'll say different things. So it's, it is, it is tricky. And as I said, the other way of doing it is like if if you're always going to get that thing, you have to have a, a retail store, then get a retail store <laughs> because all of a sudden yeah. every single person will deal with you. So, I mean, I've not never gone that far myself, but I mean, the the, uh, the shops in the high street are, are, are going down greatly at the moment. There's a lot of empty shops. You could probably even negotiate three months rolling leases with some of these guys that it keen to get people in there they'll even give you a discount on on monthly rent and everything else like that so if you were to be really extreme and say okay i'm going to take a shop i'm going to say okay i'm now setting up a shop for this period of time and then say you're legitimately going to a supplier and saying i have this premises this is the address of the premises i'm setting up this shop currently i need a supplier 99.9% of the time, the answer will be yes. You can bag up on all your suppliers. And then in three months time, when your lease runs out, if you legitimately want to say, this is not a viable business, I'm going to close this shop, then you still have a bunch of suppliers uh, that you've been using. And you can then just ring them up and saying, we're relocating. Uh, Our stock is now going to be delivered at this address. And they'll say, that's fine. We've updated our details. Thank you very much. And you'll have a load of supplies. So if that works out and, and the, the maths work out for you, then I, it's definitely something I wouldn't, um, you know, if I had to start again, I'd definitely entertain it, especially the way the high street's going now. 
if you spent enough time looking in the right places, you could probably get a really cheap deal for a very short period of time. And um, that actually might work out very well. And um, I think uh, I think you're absolutely. I think uh, the the high streets, as we all know, are getting more and more shops are closing down. So mm. if there's an empty uh, store right there, mm. who knows who knows how long that store's been there? If you have a look mm. in your local area, like this weekend, maybe yeah. it gives you an idea of how how long that store's been empty for. Start making yeah. some phone calls to uh, a few of these the, the the people that own these stores. And who knows? After a couple of months, they're now starting to get a little bit more like, I just want somebody in this store. And then you can, like you say, you can maybe get some discounts on the, the rent. Um, mm. Lee it just put a comment here saying, uh, here's a thought. Team up with other uh, online arbitrage sellers and split the cost for a store. Um, you know, so I think I think that is, that is thinking outside the box. That is yes. doing something differently. Um, mm. 99% of the other people out there in, in, in the world trying to be successful at this wholesale business. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And don't forget, it doesn't have to be a big store. It can be a small one. It could be off the main high street. It could be slightly out of the way. And I I think I'm right in, uh, in uh, what I say in that if you are someone who owns a shop, I think you have to pay business rates on that shop, whether there's someone in it or not. So if you've had that set there for six months without a tenant, then you're going to be really keen to get someone in just to keep the business rates paid, if nothing else. So, um, you know, that's something to think about. Uh, if you, if you can find someone without a supplier uh, and say, look, I don't want a long lease. I want to give this a go. I'm quite happy to pay you some money, but uh, I want a short lease. What can you do on the uh, on the thing? If we if it works out really good, then then we're going to stay on. Then just ask that question. If you ask it enough, I I'm really sure someone will say, yeah, all right. Well, I've got nothing else on. Let's give it a go. And you're in there, and um, and then you can move on. And and that idea of getting a few other people together, if you can trust them enough, and uh, if uh, if it actually works out, then. Why not? Because how many suppliers can you then go through in three months and get? You could get all the suppliers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, um, what Lee just said there, great idea, Lee. Um, it goes on the same principle of when I started to recruit virtual assistants within my business. It was, we're just getting more and more virtual assistants. And I was thinking to myself, why don't we start doing like VA pools and share virtual assistants? And at the end of the day, it's, it's about... Um, minimizing your expenses so mm -hmm. if you can find a, a couple of um uh, people that are interested in that lee or anybody else i think that's a fantastic idea definitely definitely and who do you know with a shop you know there's there's lots of people that run shops and have small independent businesses the chances are you'll know someone uh, who's who who's got a, a shop in your local high street or you'll know someone whose brother runs a shop or whose whose husband runs a shop, then it's worth just having that conversation. You say, look, I'm a reseller. I find it really hard to get wholesale suppliers. They'll find that very amusing because they find it really easy. It's not an issue. And you can say, look, I'm, this is my biggest um, bottleneck. If you can help me do this, I'm going to give you some money uh, to help me do it. And if, if you want, you haven't really got to do anything, I'll do all the work. As long as I can put your uh, your details on the account, then I'm I'm quite happy to pay for it. I'll put it all through. And if you want a bit of money for doing nothing, then um, we we can do something. You'll you'll get some people who are up for that. I've done that uh, successfully, and I I work with someone who happens to be a friend of mine anyway, so that's handy. Uh, but he runs a, a computer shop uh, in my local town, and uh, he's he's a good guy, and um, we do a lot of business together. He has wholesale suppliers through the, the biggest um, computer wholesale suppliers in the country. And, um, and we work really well together. So it, it can work and it I does think, work. I think even if you, if you didn't know anybody with a store, uh, a shop in your local area, I think just going in and out of the stores on the high street, the, the stores closing down all the time. They're, anything that they can do to bring more revenue in, if somebody just comes through, if somebody just walks into the warehouse tomorrow to me and saying, um, I'm willing to give you extra money, can I maybe work something out with you? I'm yeah. immediately going to listen to that. And I yeah. think that stalls on the high street are going to be able, are going to be listening to that as well. Yeah. Um, even if they've got think, a supplier right away and they're using that supplier, they can I tag on the end next time you make an order and you let me know, I'll tag on the end of it. I'll pay you cash up front. No problem. Just let me know when it comes in and I'll come and take it away and I'll give you some money for it. You know, it can be as simple as that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and Tony uh, had a question here saying, are supplies outside the UK any good? <sighs> That's a different kettle of fish, yes. But um, it depends when you say outside the UK – if you're dealing with the Far East, that's a whole uh, kettle another can of worms. You can't really deal with branded goods uh, in the Far East because 90% of them will be fake. There's no laws uh, stopping people producing uh, counterfeit items. So I wouldn't I wouldn't buy anything that is that is branded. Um, if you can if you can do the whole private label route, which is just a coining a phrase for getting your getting um, white label products um, in your with your own branding or whatever, that's fine because it is not a brand. But as soon as you start looking at brands, it's a sketchy area unless you're very clear. But to be honest with you, you get French companies, you get um, German companies and uh, other companies like that. But they they deal with they deal with a, a central UK point of contact anyway. So it's not often that you you physically have to deal with directly people in other countries because they'll have a representative in the UK. And it goes on um, about the, your, the the health of your Amazon account as well. You know, you, you want to make sure that, like you say, you've got the um, you've got the, the real products. You don't want to be selling any, you don't want to get down that uh, awful rabbit hole of, with Amazon looking into is your products real or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, a question that I personally had to you, Andy, um, mm-hmm. going into this webinar was um, trade shows, great. That's a fantastic. I, I love the idea of that. Going to stores uh, in the high street, I love that because that's like, that's like really entrepreneurial. Like that's mm-hmm. hustling. I love all that. Making well, deals. for me, I'm, 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 um, I, I love to automate things. You know, I love the virtual assistants. I love the idea of being able to create systems and do this, um, get this done for me without me having to do it. So yeah. how much automation can be, can be introduced into wholesale compared to online arbitrage, for example? I think, I think as much. I don't think there's anything additionally that apart from gaining the accounts, which you could probably farm out. I've seen it in action, actually. I had some... Um, what was it? Uh, some commercial printing uh, supplies. So if you're in an office, you've got the much bigger uh, printing cartridges and things like this. And there was a, a website that specialized in these things. They were getting very good prices for them. And they had virtual assistants just literally going through eBay anywhere, contacting people saying, do you have surplus um, printer cartridges? We'll give you good money for them. And then they resell them. So they, they had like a whole bank, bank of people because I happened to, I put them up on eBay at the time and they bought all of them that I had and then emailed me and said, can you get some more? Because we'll buy everything you've got. These are the prices we're going to give you. These are all virtual assistant. They were, they were somewhere in the Philippines and this main website was a UK website, but they obviously had a a good solid market for these uh, these items and they could take as much as you can give so you probably could use VAs to at least ask the question but in that in the terms that we're trying to do here if you had them try and get an accounts for you i don't know how successful that would be but it's certainly worth experimenting with um maybe you might come across some uh, some suppliers that would just say yes and they're reasonable but um, certainly in terms of actually going through the, the stock catalogs, they're usually vast. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of time involved going through uh, and, and checking the data. So I definitely think VAs could uh, play a big part in that. And uh, as you know, Kev, it's something I'm looking into in the future. I'm really bowled away by what you're doing with VAs at the moment. And I certainly want to integrate that into my business. I want to travel some more. I want to step back from my business a little bit and uh, spend a little bit longer out of the country. And for that reason, I want to try and automate uh, my business a little bit more. And so I'm certainly going to be looking into using VAs uh, for wholesale. But really, it's the same process. It's examining the data and filtering uh, what information you've got in front of you and cross-reference that against what's going on Amazon. It's exactly the same process. The only tricky thing is it might be a bit more money. You might have to store some more stuff and it's a bit hard to get hold of. Everything else is the same. So, in terms of automation, then then yeah, there's probably uh, some good opportunities to do that. Yeah, awesome. Because well, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about maybe for my like sort of next year's goals is um, like retail arbitrage. That's something that I not really do anymore. Uh, yep. I started initially, but because it was so time consuming, 
But if you think about it, you can automate that as well. You could maybe you could you you maybe got a um if I don't know a, a younger cousin somewhere that's maybe interested in getting involved in going around stores and uh, there's, uh, there's there's many ways that you can automate any type of business really. Absolutely. Um, but uh, there's another question here from Charles. Um, do many of your wholesalers, uh, distributors, do they ship directly to Amazon for you, or does it all come to your warehouse? all comes to my warehouse yeah i don't think it's a good idea to try and uh do that it's um it's asking for trouble i think <laughs> the fact that they let us um uh, use them in the first place is pretty cool and by by saying oh just just send them there for me <laughs> and uh, just get send me a check um i think it's probably uh pushing it a little bit but there's no need um you, you know a lot of the time i'm I'm holding for periods of time as well. So I like to keep control, uh, which is why I've got a warehouse. Um, it's, it's good to get, get the stock in whilst you can uh, hold on to it or process it and they get it straight out. There's several different ways of doing it because, yeah, there's buying and holding strategies. Maybe they'll be coming in and going straight out. So you'll be processing them. So there's always different things that you might be looking at at different times and everyone's different. So the best thing to do is have a central hub have a little bit of storage. You can start small. It doesn't have to be big. You don't need a big warehouse. As I said, there's uh, I've got a video coming out in the next week about different storage options. There's lots of different ones available. And these big branded storage companies are quite expensive and the amount of space you get is quite small. But there are other places available. Um, again, if you if you do a little bit of research, speak to people. Because you know what? A lot of people are going off subject a little bit, but a lot of people, um, they like cars. They might have a restoration product. How many... Uh, uh, restoration project. How many people do you know that might have a car sat there for two years that they're meaning to get started and do something on? A lot of these guys will have a unit down the road at a local farm where they keep their prized possession, you know, and uh, they do a bit of work on on it at the weekend. Those sort of places, maybe farmers are like diversified. There's not as much money in farming as they used to be. They've got a lot of um, storage places and a lot of them are converting them into into little units. And they might only be 150, 200 pounds a month for quite a bit of room. And they put lighting and electricity and water on and uh, they'll be self-contained units. And sometimes you just have to know who does that because they, they, they don't advertise. It might be word of mouth uh, where you can find them. So speak, speak to people and just keep an eye on, you know, ask, do you know anyone with storage? You know, have you got any, anyone that, uh, that has units local, locally? And you'd be surprised. You might drive past somewhere every single day and you can go down a little track and there'll be a farm with CCTV everywhere and lovely little units that doesn't have to be massive and you can store your stuff. It's very secure and it's not even that much money. So something to think about.